We're glad to have everybody with us today. I hope everybody in your home's safe and uh, that you know God, God's watching over you. You know, you can't turn on the TV without encountering news about the coronavirus. The, the virus is monopolizing news feeds, websites. It, it's redefined our, our schedules, has reprioritized things. The fact is the, the virus has amped up fears. The, the vast majority of people that I've talked to in recent days, you, you can hear it in their language, you can see it in their, their posts, fear. They're afraid, they're afraid for their families, afraid for their health, their jobs, their, where things are going. They're afraid for the future and fear is kind of a two-edged sword in, in life. It has the negative element that can paralyze you, rob and steal your joy. It can keep you from experiencing peace, God's peace. It can keep you from being who God created you to be and has called you to be. On a positive front, I believe fear can challenge you. It can motivate you, redefine you can propel you toward, toward greatness, toward a, a better future. And the Bible has a lot, a lot to say on this whole topic of, of fear. You know, 2 Timothy 1.7, Paul writes, he says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God knew that we would deal with fear. God knew we would struggle with a thing called fear. It's why in, in Scripture you find fear not. It's mentioned more than 189 times. But the Spirit of God does not give us negative fear. So why are we so afraid? I think many people, are, they have this fear, they have anxiety, because the fact is we don't know what the future holds. It's unknown to us. And it seems like everyone is trying to predict the future. I mean, government and, and some of the health agencies are pointing in one direction. We've got people in business and finance, they're pointing another. And by the time it hits a the news cycle, it's something totally different sometimes. And I, I want to caution everyone, uh, again, limit your news intake. Once, maybe twice a day, it is not healthy. It's not healthy physically or emotionally or spiritually to, to follow the news 24-7. You know, instead of, uh, instead of following it, I, I want to suggest you spend more time, more time in God's Word, in, in devotions, in, in prayer, and also be very discerning about where you're getting your information. You know that person on Facebook who was a political expert last week? They're now an infectious disease uh, specialist. In a week, they've made this shift. And I'm, I'm just saying, be very careful. God has given you a, a sound mind. Think carefully about what you put into it especially, especially in times like this. Fear is a factor. What if, what if I get the virus? You know, what if someone I know or love get, gets it? You know, will, will the virus slow down? 
Will, will they find a cure? I mean, how long will I be out of work? How long will I be required to stay at home? How, how long are my kids going to be out of school? How long before things turn to, to normal again? What if they don't return to normal? See, there are a lot of ifs in life. You can't spell life without if. I mean, it's right there in the middle of it. Then you throw in a little uh, financial instability, political posturing, wars, rumors of wars, terrorism, global warming. I could go on and on. There are a lot of things to be afraid of. There are a lot of things in life, and you have to be very careful, or they get in your head, and they'll get in your heart. So, so how do we face the future? How, how do we face these uncertain times? You know, Solomon, he was one of the smartest men in history, and he asked this question. He says, since no one knows the future, who can tell someone else what's to come? How do we face the future? You know, Scripture, it gives us some guidance here. And one of the first things that I want to talk about is what we shouldn't do. You know, Scripture's clear that, that we shouldn't try to control the future. You know, James writes this. He says, you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Your life's like a, a fog. You can't see it for, you can see it for just a short time. And then it goes away. In other words, what will happen tonight? What will happen tomorrow? What's going to happen next week, next month? You don't know. One moment, everything was fine. The next moment, everything changed. One moment, you, you had a plan. And now, worry, sweat, fret, which incidentally is trying to control how many times in your life have you worried about something, fretted about something that, that never happened? You know, Jesus asked a very poignant question one time. He says, Matthew 6, 27, he says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Now, please don't misunderstand here. Planning is a good thing. We should do it. God's gifted us that way. But to remember the future is in God's hands. You know, sometimes people say, oh, I wish I could see the future. I want you to think about that. Do you really want to know the future? I think one of the reasons we don't know the future is because God knew that if we knew everything, we'd be overwhelmed by it. You know, the bottom line we do not know the future. We can't control the future. Plan, but quit trying to control it. Second thing we don't want to do, and that is panic about the future. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 34, he says, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. A key to life, I believe, is learning to live in the present. You know, enjoying today, because it's all that's guaranteed. You know, fortunately, life comes in 24-hour segments. It's a little easier to manage that way. I had a professor had a saying, he used to say, life by the yard's hard, 
but life by the inch, it's a cinch. Life can pass you by while you're panicked about the future, while you're worrying about what's going to happen. Now, Spencer Johnson, the uh, author of The One-Minute Manager, he has a core concept in, in that book of perfect presence. Literally, this moment is the perfect presence. That is all you have, is this moment. You don't have the next hour. You don't have next week. You don't have next month. You don't have next year. You have now. It is a gift. It's a gift from God. We should use it and spend it the best we can. In other words, live one day at a time. You, you can plan for the future, but you can't live in the future. You can only live in the present, in this moment. And don't put things off. Don't put things off. In these uncertain times, I would challenge you to not procrastinate you know, to think about what's really important. James writes this in uh, James 4, 17. He says, anyone then who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it commits sin. Sometimes we live in the future and we go, someday I'll, someday I'm going to. And we always are meaning to but we never do it. And I know when we think about sin, oftentimes we, we think about an activity. You know, things like cheating or lying, adultery, stealing. Th things that, that we do. And those are called sins uh, of commission. But as an obedient follower of Jesus Christ, there is more to life than just avoiding evil things. There's also sins of omission. It's possible to do nothing and still sin. Procrastination, it's a subtle trap of trying to live in the future. You know, someday I'll do this or that, but you never do. Why? Because in the back of your mind, you presume that, that you have tomorrow. One of these days... One of these days, I'll, I'll get serious with God. You know, one of these days, I'll really get committed in my faith. Friends, do not wait. Do it, do it today. What, are you, what have you been putting off in your life? I, I believe that we have all been given a, a gift with, with this kind of pause in life. We've been reminded about what matters, what, what's really important. This is an opportunity, I believe a God-given opportunity in our lives, to retool, to recalibrate, to reprioritize. This is an opportunity to, to reconnect with your family, with, with friends, with, with God. As you're facing the future, you don't try and control it, you don't panic, and you don't put things off. So what should we do? Well, the Old Testament, the, the book of Joshua, the book opens up with God, and God's giving Joshua kind of a pep talk. Joshua is now the leader of Israel. Moses has just died. 
He's taken over the helm, and it's come time for the Israelites to enter into the promised land. Joshua knew that the moment they crossed the Jordan River, Joshua knew that they were going to face seven major enemy nations on the other side. Joshua knew they were bigger, they were better equipped, they were better trained. Joshua knew that their future was going to be tough and challenging. And so as they're standing there on the Jordan bank, they're getting ready to, to cross into the promised land. And God says to Joshua, you need to be strong and courageous. If you read the first chapter, and I encourage you to do that this week, the first chapter of Joshua, God says to Joshua, there are three things that will guarantee your success. And the first thing that Joshua had to do was set a plan with God. God gives Joshua a, a plan. First chapter, verse 2 and 3, God, God's talking to him. He says, Moses, my servant's dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I am giving to them, to the, the Israelites. I will give you a place where you set your feet, as I promised Moses. Joshua ordered the people to get ready to, to prepare. Friends, I know too many Christ followers who, who say they love God with all their heart, but they forget to put God in their daily life. You know, when it comes to, to planning, you know, planning their, their business, their career, their education, their life. When it comes to planning the future, they're really practical atheists in their life. And I find it really sad when I, when I talk to someone and they'll, they'll say, hey, I don't believe in God. And you can see it in how they live their life usually. But I believe it's a tragedy when someone says, I, I believe in God, I, I love God, but they function as though God does not exist. The question is, are you setting a plan with God? I know as I, I say that for, for some, you're going, well, I'm independent. Are you? I, I believe in God, well, does God have a say in what you do? Some of you are, well, wait a minute. I, I, I don't believe in mixing business and faith. Friends, all business is God's business. If you're a believer, all business is God's business. S some of you are, are deceiving yourselves. You know, you, it, you have this sense when you're planning, you go, Okay, I'm going to do this. Now, God bless me. I, I know you're really busy, God, so if you just sign off, I'll be on my way. You have it backwards. No, no wonder you, you fail and, and freak out when you get down the road. When, when you're planning, a, even in a crisis, you really need to pause and say, God, what is it that you want me to do? What is it that you don't want me to do? Think about this. 
it's a good conversation to have because God holds the future in his hands, doesn't he? Consider this promise from God, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I know your life has been disrupted. You know, so the question is how are you preparing? Have you set plans with God? Some of you, when, when things started shifting, if you're honest, you just started reacting. No real plan. You just started going and doing and what have you. So, some of you, you, you started planning, but you didn't seek any input, any advice. You didn't seek God in any way. I'm reminded Proverbs 16.9 uh, says, we should make plans Counting on God to direct us. Counting on God to direct us. Are you planning? And more importantly, are you allowing God to direct you? If you're leaving God out, not seeking God's direction, well, good luck with that. The best wisdom that I can offer is that you prayerfully seek God's direction and plan with God. The other thing you need to do is stay in God's word. You will find solid ground by spending time in scripture. Joshua 1.7 says, be strong and very courageous. Be, be careful to obey all the laws my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may succeed wherever you go. See, God's word gives us a foundation. Some of you are panicked today. Some of you are anxious and afraid. Some of you lack clarity. There's no peace. Try spending time in God's word. In the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the unknown, I believe it's really easy to get confused, to get distracted. God's word becomes an anchor in your life in these shifting seas. It is a way that God can provide advice and guidance and encouragement. Are you spending time in God's word? When, when I was a kid, I uh, lived in Kern, Illinois for a few years and there was a train that would stop and load grain and fertilizer nearby. One of my friend's dads, he worked at the elevator, and he would let us uh, pull, there was a giant switch, and it would move just a small section of the railroad track, just a few inches, but it was enough that it would cause the train to move from the main track to the side track. Almost everyone has been sidetracked recently. Your life has been disrupted, been put on pause. This is an opportunity for you to spend more time in God's word. It is an opportunity to reevaluate your values, your priorities, you know, what's important, 
what, what you're spending your, your time and your talent and your resources on, what you're spending your energies on, your life. Some of you, if you did an honest evaluation, some of you would realize you've been sidetracked before any of this stuff happened. Some of you have been sidetracked for quite a while. This is an opportunity to get your life back, back on a God-honoring track. The way you stay on that track, on the main track, is you spend more time in God's Word. You know, reading, studying Scripture, meditating, praying, thinking about it. See, God promises success based on commitment to His Word and His ways. Why? Because, well, the Bible's an owner's manual for life. It's full of advice and guidance and encouragement and direction. And then you have to actually practice what it says. And here's the third thing. There comes a point you've got to step out in faith. Christ followers, faith is not a mental exercise. It requires movement. It requires action. It's more than saying, I believe in Jesus. The, the fact is, Satan believes in Jesus. It's more than knowing about Jesus. It means committing your life to Jesus. It means putting God first in your life. It means letting God actually direct and guide you in, in your life. Three times in the, in the chapter, if you read the entire chapter, Joshua, God, God speaks to him and says, be strong and courageous. Because Joshua needed strength and he needed courage to face what was ahead. What, what's courage? Well, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is when you move forward in spite of your fears. If you want to possess the future that God has for you, face your fears. How do you get rid of fear? Well, I can tell you, you don't rationalize your way through it. You don't psych yourself up. You move against it. You step out trusting God. Joshua, he led the Israelites to the Jordan River. And Joshua knew when they crossed that river that they would be at war for many years. So what is it that gave Joshua confidence? Well, Joshua 1.9, God, God's kind of encouraging him, saying, I have not command, have I not commanded you? Here we go again. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. See, fear and discouragement, they're, they're a tag team. You know, they'll, they'll pin you. One, two, three. They, they'll steal from you. They'll steal your peace. They'll steal your future. They'll keep you from moving. They'll, they'll keep you from starting. They'll, they'll get you to a point where you want to give up. They'll, they'll keep you anxious and hopeless in, in your life. The Israelites, they've, they've been wandering around in the desert for 40 years. And you kind of go, what, why? Well, because 40 years earlier, Moses sent 12 spies into the promised land. Ten of the spies came back after they had looked things over and assessed it, and they were afraid, 
And they, they came back and told the people, said, the place is full of giants. Two spies, Joshua and Caleb, they come back and they say, we can do it. Now that day, the people listened to the, the reports and they went with the negative reports. They freaked out. They, they panicked. Fear was a factor in their decision. They didn't go possess the land. And guess what? They spent the rest of their lives in the desert. Forty years passed. Finally, the Israelites, they're ready to move forward. They're ready to go into the promised land. Joshua is leading. Guess who's by his side? Caleb. Caleb's by his side. The two spies that had had faith early on and said, we can do it. Joshua and Caleb are the only ones from their generation that get to enter the promised land. So they're on the bank. I want you to picture this. The time's come for them to cross the river. The, the river is at flood stage this time of the year. It's 100 feet wide, 40 feet deep. The Israelites have been in this situation before. You remember when Moses, he parted the, the Red Sea. God moved and, and parted that. This time, though, it's, it's very different. Joshua 3, 15 and 16, it says, Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan, they were the first ones into the river, and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. So the priests, they're carrying the ark. They walk into the water. It's up to their ankles. And I imagine they're a little anxious. They're, they're waiting for the waters to part. But they keep walking. Now the water's to their waist. I got to think they're getting a little bit nervous. Maybe the waters are churning pretty good. They take another step. Now the water's to their chest. I imagine it's difficult to stand. I, I would imagine some of them are kind of freaking out. Now, I don't want you to miss this. Because if you just do a casual read of Scripture, totally lost here. As soon as they take the first step, God stopped the water. If you read it, read the whole story. God dammed up the, the water 17 miles north of that location. It just took a while for the effects to reach them. Was it scary? I'm sure it was. But God had already acted. They just didn't know it. They had to, they had to wait. You go, what's the point? Friends, the first step when you're facing fear, it requires faith. It requires faith. And so my question today, let's get personal. 
what's your Jordan River? What looks insurmountable in your life? What, what appears impossible? And where do you need to take a faith step? You can't control the future. You don't even know what the future is. You don't know what it looks like. But God knows. And God's in control. And if you trust God, you don't have to freak out. See, I, I don't know exactly what you're facing. I got some ideas. But whatever it is, I want to challenge you, encourage you. Give it to God and trust him and let him guide your path. I'll close with this. Isaiah 41.10, God, God says, do not be afraid for I'm with you. Do not be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Friends, that's a promise from God. Some of you ought to embed that in your heart. You ought to memorize it, meditate on it this week. Think about it. God is with you. God is for you. And God can give you victory in your life. Let's bow in a word of prayer. God, I want to pray for the individuals that are watching right now. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just whisper that you are with them. That it would whisper for them to be strong and courageous. And God, I pray that your Spirit would give them strength and give them courage. And God, I pray that you would put a hedge of protection around them, around their families. And God, I pray that more than anything, they would trust you. God, that they would have the wisdom to just place the future in your hands knowing you are a mighty God and you are more than able to not only be with us, but to see us through whatever it is. God, I thank you and I give you praise in the midst of chaos you are fully in control. God, be with us. Calm our spirits. Calm our hearts. God, may we know your peace. And we give you praise and glory in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.